GT Channel with Samitani, James McKeon, and Taro Koki. Hey everyone, this is Taro from GT Channel. Today we're sitting down with Mr. Roger Williams, who is the producer of the show What's My Car Worth, which aired on Velocity and Motor Trend Network and is now available on Curiosity Stream. Roger is a walking automotive encyclopedia, and it was a real pleasure speaking to him. You guys are really going to enjoy this one. But before we get started, here's a brief message from our sponsor, Creator Formula. So you guys have heard me pitch Creator Formula here on the podcast, but they really are a great group, really. Basically, if you're a digital creator like GT Channel, their whole reason for existing is to help you become a media brand, a media brand with reach and revenue. Because how awesome would it be if you can make money doing the things you love to do? For me, it's creating automotive content. The Creator Formula team and technology specialize in developing your growth as a creator. So go visit them at creatorformula.io. Just, just check them out. So for creators looking for more reach or better monetization, more growth, go explore the possibilities at creatorformula.io. Let them help you focus on your passions. Tell them Taro sent you. Hello, 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 all of you guys in automobiledom. We are back again for another week of podcast, uh, Pod Speed, which uh, you, you could get as a podcast, and hopefully you guys are watching also. I'm joined, as always, with Mr. James McKeown, our hello. No Breaking Podcast, and uh, GT Channel President and the guy who makes all this happen, Taro Koki. Hello, hello. Taro. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, and hello. our special guest today is Mr. Roger Williams, who I hear, if you ever have a barn find, you know, uh, <laughs> some, some car maybe rotten, rotting in your old dead uncle's barn. Call <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, the, someone might be, this person might be able to tell you what that thing is worth before you uh, recall the tow truck. So, Anyways, uh, Taro, great uh, job again for bringing this guest, and I will hand it over to you. All right, thank you. Welcome, Roger Williams, to uh, Podspeed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much, Charles. Uh, it's really an honor to be here, and I, I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Great, great. Uh, so, Roger, you are a uh, longtime collector, uh, I heard, of cars, and also the producer of the uh, high-rated show, highly-rated show, uh, what's my car worth? Which aired on uh, Velocity, I believe. Correct. And Velocity it's also, and Motor Trend. Uh, and Motor Trend. And um, it is also available now uh, for viewers who are interested in watching the show as well. That's right. On Curiosity Stream, mm -hmm. uh, which is a obviously a streaming service that it was started by the founder of uh, Discovery Channel, Discovery Communications. He's no longer associated with that company, but he started this uh, streaming service trying to create something that was akin to what he wanted Discovery to be. So you go on, there's tremendous volumes of programs on there, nature, science, space exploration, uh, transportation, where we fall. Um, it, it's, it was his original vision for the network itself before they started uh, filling it with a lot of uh, folks with tattoos, throwing wrenches and cursing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so how exactly did you get started with What's My Car Worth? Um, well, I've always uh, been in the television business. Mm -hmm. And since I was really young, I mean, I was that five-year-old kid in the back seat uh, of my parents' car that I was looking out the window and I would tell you 
that's the brand new whatever that's just coming by. You know, I remember at, at five uh, looking at 1958 Cadillacs in the showroom with my parents. You know, um, I, I've always been a car freak, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and then you know, probably about 1995, uh, I got together with some folks I had worked with at ESPN since the beginning of that network, and we started a, a vehicle channel called Speed Vision. Mm -hmm. uh, cars, boats, planes, and motorcycles. It became Speed Channel, right, and now right. it's called Fox Sports One. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I had the—I was blessed to be able to blend my personal passion for automobiles with my professional passion, which mm -hmm. is the television business. Right. Uh, and that—that that that went that went extremely well. Uh, we sold that network to uh, Fox, mm -hmm. uh, and and after that, I thought, you know, I I, I uh, rode my motorcycle across the country. Mm -hmm. um, I bought a set of golf clubs. I sent them back four times, get them fixed, and they still didn't work. You know, so I had to find something. <laughs> it happens. New. Yeah, and I, and I was always a big fan of Elmore Leonard. You know, one of my favorite authors. Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Yeah. Pardon me. Get Shorty, right? That's where I'm going with this. You know, and if you look, Chili Palmer was yeah. the uh, you know collector for the mob out of Miami. He goes to Hollywood to collect mm -hmm. a debt from a producer. Sees yeah. what the producer is doing and says, "Wait a minute." I can do that. And uh, I came up through the sales and marketing side in the general management of networks. Okay. Uh, but I never came through the production side, but I had the production people, you know, reporting to me, working with them, dealing with outside producers. And uh, like Chili Palmer, I looked at this thing and I said, let me get myself some cold on loafers and I'm a producer. <laughs> so I started making some shows and uh, I was sitting around actually at uh, the Gooding and Company auction in Pebble Beach mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and talking to Keith Martin, who's the publisher of Sports Car Market Magazine, who had done a lot of stuff on Air Force with Speed Vision over the years. And we started, you know, just conversing. And I said, you know, somewhere out there, there's an idea for a show, a la Antique Roadshow, but with cars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's see if we can do something like that. So we, we um, so I started that program uh, our first, you know, our first location was the Peterson Museum in LA. Okay. And we sent out a casting call for cars. We said, okay. if you've got a car, you want to find out what it's worth, bring it down. We had like two to 300 responses. And now, which, what, what year was this? Oh, gosh, I knew you were going to say that, uh, ask that. Uh, I want to say probably 07, 07 okay. or 08, mm -hmm. somewhere around that time frame. Mm -hmm. So we got the, um, uh, so we, we curated the applications mm -hmm. and we had a nice group of cars come. And we brought him in on the set and we said, uh, okay, you know, we evaluated the car. We looked it over. We talked to the owner. We said, you know, what, what makes it collectible? Here are the points on it for condition. Here's what, you know, and then finally we say, here's what it's worth. And, you know, you watch Antique Roadshow and you've got that woman, you know, we've all seen her. She's somebody's aunt, somebody's mother. She comes in with a lamp. Yeah. And she, it's been passed down through her family. She used it as a little kid. Her kids used it. It's all beat up. She, you know, puts it down. I don't know. Well, what's it worth? You know, mm -hmm, yeah. and the, 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 you know, antique roadshow guy says, oh, that's a Tiffany lamp. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's worth $175,000 yeah. and knocks her out of her chair. She jumps up screaming, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Here's the deal. Here's what we found out in the car world. Nobody mm -hmm. is oblivious to what they own. Mm -hmm. And they all think it's worth a whole lot more than what it actually is. So <laughs> Always. I know what it's always. worth. <laughs> yeah. So, so we get on set. We're at the Peterson. We said, yes, your uh, V12 Series 3 Jaguar Roadster is worth, uh, you know, $75,000. Mm -hmm. 
and the owner would want to come at our talent and say, no, it's worth 125. You know? <laughs> and, and so we thought, this is not going to, how do we, how do we close out this show? You know, it's, this it's the other way around for cars, right? They always overestimate. Yeah, you yeah. got it. And yeah. You're not going to tell somebody that brings their Mustang on the set that, oh, that's actually an R model Shelby GT350 from 1955, <laughs> right, you know, right, right, right. underneath that Mustang exterior, you know, that doesn't happen. Mm. So we thought we got to, you know, I, I thought to myself, we, I got to re-engineer this show. So uh, next thing I did was I thought, let's go to an auction. So let's do the same show, but we're doing it with cars that are coming to the auction. Because everyone watches Meekum, everyone watches Barrett Jackson, and, and they all do the same thing. They sit around their living rooms and they, with their buddies, and they say, oh, that's going to sell for 55000 Mm-hmm. And and then you're amazed when it sells for 85 or whatever. So yeah, everyone's, you know, that's the game. That's what makes those auctions so interesting mm-hmm. is that everyone thinks they can figure out what the car is worth before the hammer drops down. Mm-hmm. So we said, we're going there. Yeah. And so we'd, we'd interview the owner. We'd test drive the car, get some good driving footage. And the viewers really appreciated that. Yeah. And then we'd come up and we'd say, yeah, your, your E-type's worth 75. And the guy says, no, it's worth a buck and a quarter. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, good luck to you. I hope you get it, but we think you're going to get 75. And I would say probably 95% of the time, Mm -hmm. we were so close to the right number, Mm -hmm. you know? And typically we were, most of the time we were below Mm -hmm. um, the owner. I see. There were a few few exceptions. We had a guy on in Scottsdale at Barrett-Jackson. He had a L88 Corvette, Mm -hmm. you know, um, super rare, super expensive. He was hoping to get 250. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was original. I mean, okay. even the air was from like 1967 and the tires. I mean, okay. it, 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 you know, it was, it was insane. And, and we told him, we, you know, and we said, no, we think, we think you're going to get somewhere between four and a quarter and 450 for the car. Mm-hmm. And he said, boy, I sure hope you're right. Well, it rang the bell. He got $800,000. Wow. And he wow. was hoping for 200. That's one yeah. of the rare exceptions where it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. And I did see him later that evening at Barrett. He was okay. on the staging lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had so many cocktails in him, you know. <laughs> of course, he was why not? He can he afford saw, it. <laughs> he saw me, and he just came over, you know, like wanting to kiss me. Just to, yeah. not, I didn't have anything to do with it, his yeah. sale price, but he was so ecstatic, yeah. So we figured that's the way to go about it. It worked well. It was the definitive stamp. What someone's willing to pay for it is the definitive stamp, you know. So you know, you're no longer leaving in the dangling proposition of the owner saying, no, it's, it's worth a lot more than what you say. You know, so we needed the, the, the payoff. We need to be able to show uh, what it actually would bring. Now, how, did, how did you find uh, these guys? Did you just con- uh, continue to do like a casting call for the, sh- the cars? Or did yeah, you, what, did we, you go we, to the auction and just... We, 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 I contact the auction company and, mm-hmm. and I knew most of them anyway if not all of them throughout the speed vision days and prior to speed vision, I was at ESPN. So mm-hmm. we were, you know, we, we would come just as enthusiasts, a lot of the auctions. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a small world, you know, the collector car auction world, there really may be half a dozen companies that mm-hmm. own most of the market. So, yeah. um, so I'd call, I'd call them up and I'd said, I'd want to, I'd want to film at the auction. First thing I had to do is explain what was going on yeah. and what we were going to do. Um, and then uh, they'd say, sure, we'd love to have you come out. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start working with their people and I'd say, uh, let me see your consignment list. Mm-hmm. And they'd share the consignment list. We'd look it over. Uh, we would have, we would, we would get sort of under the tent, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with the auction mm-hmm. company. They would share a lot of proprietary information with us. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, including, um, you know, if there was a reserve on the car, what the reserve is, mm -hmm. who the owners are, you know, and then we would reach out to the owners to see if they're interested in participating in the show. And we do a telephone interview with them, you know, just to make sure that they can speak coherently, you know, that they're not camera shy, if you will, or phone, phone shy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then we would, you know, line them up, we'd schedule them, we'd head out there, we'd show up. If the auction was going to be on a Friday, you'd probably find us there Monday. Because mm -hmm. we'd have to make sure the cars would have to be there on Monday, Monday through Thursday, and we'd make sure that the owners were going to be there. So, uh, you know, we'd grind out a lot of stuff. If we show up at an auction, we'd have to get probably 20 to 25 cars produced while we're there. Wow. Otherwise, the economics didn't quite make a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, that's a lot you of uh, shooting in a short period of time. That, that's, that's like 10-hour days, you know, three or four days in a row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got to have stamina for that, as, yeah. as you know, in terms yeah. of the stuff you guys do. I mean, right, right. you know, literally, you're you're on a calendar. You know, yeah, I mean, you're on yeah. a stopwatch. Right, know? right. And, and especially and, if and you're at a yeah, if, especially if at an auction and you you're not at your own, you know, on your own schedule, right? There's like a lot mm -hmm. of other obligations that these you know cars have to go, you know, be at or be mm -hmm. the owner has to be at some place at some time or something like that. And and the and the truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> who uh, isn't there when he's supposed to be with the car, you know? <laughs> right, and right. Said, yeah, the car was supposed to be here this morning. We're trying to reach the driver. We're not sure, you know. Yeah. And, and so we would go out and let, let's say we needed 20 or 25 cars. We would line up to shoot maybe 30 or in the low 30s. Okay. For that very okay. reason. Because, you know, for that plus you want to make sure that the cars you have on the show sold that the res if the reserve wasn't met, it's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and then you don't know until you get there how the owner's going to be on camera. You know, mm -hmm. is it going to be a good interview or not? Even if the owner's good on camera, sometimes it's just not a good production. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, something was off with the talent, something was off with the owner, they didn't click well, we couldn't get the right excitement on the set, mm -hmm. something, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. so we would always overshoot, so we'd come out with, you know, 20 or 25 good pieces produced. Yeah, no, that's great. So I, I, I think there's no doubt that um, uh, Sam and James, the uh, Roger is the guy that could maybe give us a list of some of the best cars out there um, that he's seen or hasn't seen or wants to see. So we've uh, prepared a, um, a couple of uh, a questions. So we, we, we uh, asked Roger to give us a list of uh, best European best Japanese, best domestic, classic cars, best new car, and maybe if we're lucky with time, we'll get to best used car. So how about, how about we, uh, we get to uh, the first uh, list here we have. It's uh, best European. Uh, Roger, what's your uh, best European? Well, let's start off with uh, the ninth. Pardon me? Oh, I mean, by the way, this was not a hard assignment, guys. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're asking, you know, somebody that loves this stuff and, you know, could talk about it all day long. Um, you know, I, one, one of the cars that I like a lot uh, are the E30 BMWs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're great cars. They were built tremendously well. Uh, they sold a lot of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we all like the M3. Everyone, you know, lo loves the E30 M3. But those are priced in the stratosphere now. Yeah, you know, so yeah. even if you had one, you're not sure how much you want to put it on the road. But, you know, what happened was another producer, uh, actually, not, he works for another television company, he's not a producer, called me up and said, I want to get a car that I can work on with my son. And, you know, some of this is going to be fun. What would you recommend? And I said, well, you know what? 
uh, look for about a 91 uh, BMW 325iS mm -hmm. the five speed. Right. They're tr tremendous cars. I like the coupe. You know, they're tremendous cars. Um, you know, they're they're almost bulletproof. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they have enough of them out there where you're not going to have to pay a fortune to get it. Yeah. And uh, and you can have you can have fun all day long, and they're great looking. The styling has withstood this test of time with it. So um, I'm a big fan of those cars. I think uh, you know some of these BMW coupes, whether it's the 2002 or or this 325. Uh, you know, they're, they're just tremendous cars. This one sold for $14,000 in June of, of last year. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, it's a great price, you know, for, very, for such a good car. Very reachable. It's a great car. And the reason they're at that price is because there are a lot of them out there. I mean, you can find, you can spend up to 30 if you want a near perfect, extremely low mileage version, you know, of mm -hmm. a car, but uh, you don't have to. Um, you know, you can get them in that, you know, $14,000 range, like you see right there, that, it, I mean, it, that, that, that's a heck of a bang for the buck and a lot of fun. What do you like about this car the most, though? I probably like the drivability, if you will, the handling, the, mm -hmm. the, the way the suspension is matched with the power plant and the fun you're going to have with the stick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it truly... Uh, is the, uh, you know, I mean, you know, they're the ultimate driving machine. You know, everything's yeah. just so well balanced. Um, as, a, as a runner up to my li likes on it, styling. Mm. You know? Sam, uh, what do you think? Oh, I love this car too. Yeah, it's just pure driving in its purest form almost, you know. Uh, this was 1991. So I joined Road and Track in 1990. So this is when I, uh, I was driving this this car and the five series. I really liked the five series back then too. So the BMW, mm -hmm. it was it was yeah. It's it, it's you know we you know our whole editorial staff went on road trips with cars like this, and it was just awesome because you know we look for um, winding roads and everything, and you know just being able to shift, you know a, 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 a traditional manual shift shifter and all that. It, you know it's it was it really was driving in its purest form. And as Roger said, the BMWs were one of my favorites. That's why I owned, I've owned a lot of BMWs through my, through the years. So, so great choice, Roger. Thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on. James, you have any comments before we move on? BMWs? Well, I, no, I just think that there's the only thing you always have to worry about the BMWs, especially this era is the BMW tax. I mean, there's, it is a very expensive car to pick up now. I mean, they are very popular. As, as Roger mentioned, the, the M3s are astronomical in regards to the price. I mean, I remember back in the day in San Francisco, I almost purchased one, but, uh, and I'm kicking myself now because I think it's four times the price if I was to still have it to this day. But um, I'd agree. I mean, I think I might err and I'd like, it's while the, uh, the three series is beautiful and well styled, I might like to err on the side with Sam and go with the five series of this era being just a little bit, more uh, size-wise and comfortable uh, for sort of the similar bang for the buck kind of thing, if that makes sense. For sure. For I sure. think that's perfectly acceptable, James. Thanks, you know? Roger. Appreciate um, that. No yeah. problem. Yeah, we, well, I'm, well, one day I looked around in my garage and I said, what's the theme of what's sitting in my garage of all my cars? And I said, wait a minute, they all have two doors and for the most part, two seats and decent horsepower. So I'm more of like a, you know, smaller car kind of fan personally, but it's all in your personal taste. But then, you know, listen, I owned a 535i, uh, you know, with a stick and they were great cars, tremendous cars. 
Roger, what do you think about like, you know, the, even the Porsches like this, but the BMW back in those days, the three, 1991, 1990, the three series, the size, compared to the size of these cars now, you know, the three series now is I think just absolutely dwarfs. They're enormous now. They are, they are. <laughs> I like the personally, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to new cars, but I like the two series. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I really do, I'm a big fan of the two series. Um, but I'm with you, it's kind of like I've got a, uh, actually it's my son's car uh, who works on the show. Um, he, he's our, uh, one of our producers. Uh, he's got a 1967 Mini, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is like driving a go kart around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 a tin, it's a tin can. Yeah. Awesome. It, yeah, and so the steering wheel is almost in your lap. It's like you're, you're, you know, like literally you're you're driving a slot car or something, and they handle that way. And I pull up behind a new Mini, and it oh. dwarfed me. Oh you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, like a, I felt like I was behind a Mack truck. It was funny. Yeah, no, it's like yeah. A Go ahead. I was going to say, Roger, a new Mini these days is more like a large rather than a Mini. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah the the shape is very deceiving. You know, it still has the cute shape, so you kind of feel like it's small, but you park it next to an old one, and it's like oh, enormous. It, yeah. It is. It's big. Now, now, what's on the screen now is number two on my list of uh, European cars. Um, the 911 between 87 and 89. I'm a huge fan. And interestingly, I picked the Targa to illustrate it. Um, at the time, I was not a fan of Targas. Mm -hmm. You know, back when they were in, in 87, 89, I didn't particularly like the Targa style. I loved the coupe. <clears throat> but the Targa has really, I think the styling of the Targa, the way they did the roll bar, everything, mm -hmm. it has really grown on people yeah. and really become quite stylish as the cars aged. Um, what I like about these cars, the last years of the air-cooled Porsches. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, they're not rare. I mean, if one go to a turbo, that's a different story. Yeah, but just yeah. the regular 911, uh, they're bulletproof, 3.2 liter motor. They'll run all day long. Uh, they're comfortable as can be. Uh, they did a few things in uh, 87, as opposed to the earlier Carreras. Um, they increased the um, um, air conditioning vents on the dash, so you had to much better cooling. Uh, they uh, they went to the G50 transmission, you know, hydraulic clutch instead of mm -hmm. a cable. If you've driven a 86 and earlier 911, the gear shift feels like, you know, I don't know, it's like a hot knife through butter. It's, mm -hmm. There's just no gating to it. There's no feeling of it. It's just all over the place. And you yeah. kind of pop it in the gear where you think the gear is supposed to be. <laughs> These were tight and precise. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they made a ton of improvements for 87. And I think they... They did jack the price that year between 86 and 87 by at least 10,000, somewhere between 10, 15,000 really? by the time you optioned it up because Porsche was all about options. Now, are, are Targa's um, still more economical compared to the Coupe and the Cabriolet still, even you know, back then? Oh, back then? For, for, for this price uh, for right now, like for 87, oh, right 89? Now, yeah, yeah, I think you're going to pay a little less than you will for a cab and you will for a coupe, but I love the styling. It gives the open air option. Uh, it's a very good top when you have to put that on. Mm -hmm. um, again, I like all three years. Um, and interestingly, if you lined up three model years side by side, it'd be very difficult to pick out any differences whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, but as the uh, service manager at a very large Porsche dealership told me, 
Um, he said they made so many refinements throughout these three years mm -hmm. that by the time you get to the 89, there must be, you know, 150 things they did better than they did in 87. Oh, wow. So ideally you want to get an 89, mm -hmm. you know, um, <laughs> and, uh, and these, you know, I mean, if you want, again, if you're looking for that low mileage, you know, pristine, you know, you're going to pay, you know, north of 75 for it. But, uh, you mm -hmm. know, one that's, you know, showing 60, 70,000 miles, which is nothing for these motors, mm -hmm. uh, can probably be bought in the $40,000 range, maybe 50. Mm, um, I see. And, and, uh, and like I say, they're, they're, the styling is classic. It's timeless. Um, you know, it, they're just terrific cars. Yeah. The, the guys know I'm not into uh, convertibles, but I, I, I think I can do a Targa. <laughs> what do you guys think? I'm not a big Targa guy, but Roger, <laughs> uh, what's the price these days from this 87, the 87 to when they went to the 3.6? Cause I was once in the market when, uh, you know, for the 3.6 and then uh, at some point it's just, the price just really jumped and it I did. took me it out did. of the market. Now, are you talking I, about the 3.6 turbo? Uh, the turbo, yeah, the turbo was yeah. when I was yeah. in the market that, for it. I just we, said, wow. I know. That's my favorite turbo, Sam. Me too. I love that turbo. absolutely my favorite turbo. I, I would, uh, I've never owned one. We had one on the show um, and uh, in one of the early seasons. And at that time, it was worth probably about sixty to $70,000. Wait, 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 when was this? Oh, gosh, this was probably oh nine. Oh nine. Okay, so yeah, it was yeah. before that when I was kind oh, of yeah. looking around. They were around forty grand at that point, and then all of a sudden they're like eighty. And then what are they now? Are they over? Oh, gosh. You, yeah, they're two seventy five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I bought one back then. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, are we going to touch them at that price? I don't know, yeah. but they're. they're but um, yeah, that's that's. I mean, this particular one we had on the show was Guards Red with tan interior, oh, and man. and it was it was low mileage. It was just beautiful. And the guy that owned it still teases me. He, he, he looked at me and said, well, I'm not going to sell it for that price. And he did sell it later on for probably about, I want to say maybe a hundred, hundred and a quarter when they had started to move up. And then he used to call me and tease me about it. When they hit 250, I started calling him and teasing him. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing now about that. Right, uh, he said, I wish I still had it. You know, yeah. his right, right. But the, these are, these are terrific cars. Um, you know, they're, uh, very serviceable you know you don't have to you know there's not a lot of high-tech computer stuff all over it um you know you, you can you know you can do very well and be very happy with that car great great now uh, if you want to move on to the next uh, sure yeah. yeah i mean the i'm a i'm a product well we are product of the 80s and 90s so this one's got to be <laughs> one of this our favorites yeah. yeah this it, is this it is, yeah the fry testarossa when, when Ferrari introduced these in the late 80s, um, they were breathtaking in terms of radical styling, uh, you know, 12-cylinder behind the seats, uh, flat 12. Everything was uh, horizontally opposed. Everything was just, you know, everything was, was something with it. And uh, even the Whitney Museum here in Manhattan in New York City uh, had one on display as a work of art when they were first introduced. Hmm. Uh, Ferrari put one right in the first floor of the Whitney. And, and, uh, and that's actually the first place I saw one. They didn't have any at the dealership in Manhattan then. So, uh, so I went to the Whitney to see it. Um, then as time went on, the styling got very dated, you know, mm -hmm. very 80s-like, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. And, and they sort of fell away 
you know, from being, if you'd see them and you'd avert your eyes, you know, uh, then probably in the last 10 years, it's interesting. It's really come back into vogue, at least for me. I've really started to appreciate the styling again, the wide stance from the rear. Um, there's, it, it's, it's funny, you're a little offset from the pedals when you sit behind the wheel of one, you know? Mm -hmm. There's as big as it looks, there's not a lot of room on the interior. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you, you, there are a few quirky things like that. And obviously the old thing with Ferraris about doing the belts and having to pull the engine to do it. And mm -hmm. so if you buy one, you wanna make sure it's had a recent belt service. Uh, but these can be had in the hundred thousand dollar range. Yeah, look, uh, this one went for what eighty one thousand two years ago. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. And there was one. There was one on BAT. I think it's closing out today. Okay. Uh, and and last time I looked, the bid it was a quite nice one, low mileage, mm -hmm. and the bidding was about a hundred and eight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe yesterday or the day before. So um, I, I just think if you want to get in the Ferrari, if you want to step into a Ferrari. Uh, for any kind of reasonable price that you're going to have a lot of fun with, uh, Testarossa is a great way to go. Roger, can I ask you then, what about if you think, okay, I want to buy a Ferrari, but you know, I, you know, a lot of Ferraris increase in value as, as you know, they're, they're almost an investment. Is this something that you would say, hey, you know, maybe I should buy this, have fun with it a little bit, but then just be careful and let it, let it will the pr price appreciate. You know, on these, I think yes. Because and then Farina, you know, yeah, so, it's a yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful car. I think that it, there's always going to be a market for it, and if you buy it right, you'll be okay. Uh, where you're running into trouble, it, the Ferrari world is a funny place, you know, because it's made up of sort of two classes. It's almost a caste system, you know. Either you have <laughs> Not a the first time I heard that. <laughs> yeah, you, you either have. Be careful, Roger, where you're going with this. <laughs> well, you have a 275 GTB four cam that right. at one point might have been worth three and a half million dollars that today is a two and a quarter million dollar car. Uh, and something they made a hundred of, something they made 125 of, you know, or you're at the other end where you have like a Ferrari Daytona that they made almost 1600 of those cars, maybe 1500. And, or you have a test row, so you have a 328. You go at that end of the market where there are lots of them. <clears throat> but it's, it's interesting because when you go to a Ferrari show and you pull up in a Testarossa, Daytona, or 328, they park you in the back of the parking lot. <laughs> well, I can understand with the 328, but the Daytona, the Daytonas, those things are going, aren't they pretty highly priced now? They're no, they're, they're oh. on their way down. Daytonas have yo-yoed over the years. Oh, okay. um, at one point, you know, there was a collector car crash in, not, not an automobile, street crash but right yeah, right market value market crash. market market and value. in 1989 there was a big correction and at that point daytona's had inched up to seven eight hundred thousand right or heard you know rumors maybe one sold in a million or something mm -hmm. after the right. crash they could be bought for 100 to hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. i didn't know they went down that much. yeah they went oh. down that low and they went on uh they, they stayed at that level for quite some time they slowly inched up into sort of the $300,000 to $400,000 range. Um, and it took, it took a decade or more for that to happen. Uh, then the Daytonas hit, um, what happened was, I wanna say it was probably 14. In August of 14, uh, RM Sotheby's sold a beautiful Daytona that had the most meticulous restoration you've ever seen in Monterey. 
you know, uh, during Pebble Beach Week for $700,000. And then everyone thought, what just happened? You know, I better go out and get a Daytona quickly. You know, they're back. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. Before before they get out, while well, I can still buy one in the three hundreds. You know, um, and they start going up quite quickly. Um, I actually looked at one uh, at the Auburn auction. You know, you know, a couple of months after that Pebble Beach sale, maybe a month after it, and I could have bought the car for three forty five. It needed a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know need repaint, needed a bunch of stuff. And I decided I don't want to take that project on. Um, six months later, I decided, you know what? I want a Daytona. So I ended up, uh, I looked at a bunch. Everyone wanted 700000 because they all thought that was a new market for them, but they needed a bunch of work. I was able to buy that car that I passed on. Mm-hmm. And I paid five fifteen for it six months later. Oh. Now, the, the guy that flipped it, he bought a new set of tires for it and paid sales tax, you know? That was, that's, you know, that's what he had in the car. So he was happy, but I felt like I was happy, you know, and, and I, and I put, uh, I put probably a buck 50 to 200 into the rest, into getting it done properly. Ooh. And then, so I'm in the car at about 700. So I take it out to uh, uh, Monterey in 18 and I get my money back. Yeah. The car hammers at 700. And I felt, you know, yeah. and it turned out that that was the highest, uh, uh, Daytona at auction in three years. You know? now, why, why did you sell it? Um, you know what? It, it's, I kept looking at it and I was, I was nervous about the market. Mm. I was starting to get a little nervous about the collector car market. And for me, that's a whole lot of money to have sitting in one car. Um, yeah, it's a whole lot. You know, yeah. <laughs> 700,000? <so>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that, you know, I, I, you know as much as I like the car, um, you know, let me, uh, you know, let me see what I can get. So I, I gave it to RM with no reserve. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm, I'm putting it out there, no reserve. I consigned it early. And, but in exchange for that, I wanted, you know, I think it was six pages in their catalog and I wanted it in the middle of prime time on the stage on Friday night, you know, so, so, you know, I got, you know, when you, when you go no reserve, you have a little bit of negotiation in terms of getting some good marketing promotion out of it. Mm-hmm. It's um, risky, and, but. <laughs> It is. Oh man, you know, you're you're going to have like a cocktail or something, you know, definitely <laughs> after it sells, okay, in celebration. But uh, and uh, so the car brought seven hundred, and I was happy as can be. Now, now uh, Bonhams just had their online quail sale uh, that they, you know they did a sale every year at the Quail Lodge up at, mm-hmm. during Pebble Beach, and that would have been last Friday. They sold a very similar Daytona to the one I sold, and it hammered at three hundred ninety thousand. Oh my Ooh. gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's, really? That's what's happened in the oh last few gosh. years to the Daytona market. Wow. They quickly dropped. They were in the 400s. The one that Bonham's just sold was the first one I saw selling in the 300s. But wow. again, the issue is they made a lot of them. And yeah. as I said, in the Ferrari world, there are two kinds of Ferraris. One, they made less than 100 and then all others, mm-hmm. you know, and the collectors and the big money all focus around the rare stuff. Um, and, and the rest of the cars are really, you know, if you will, they're good driving cars. Um, but in any event, that's, uh, that's it. Now, speaking of rare cars, this this is one of my favorites. I've never had one of these in my garage, but I still hope to, uh, I call it the unicorn. You know, I love the, uh, uh, the, the, um, E 36 styling and, uh, with the four door with a stick on the M three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, with a with with you know, in technoviolet. To me, that just rounds it out. I don't know what it is about it, but it so speaks to me about that period, you know, the late '90s, the technoviolet M3 four door with a stick screaming down the highway. It's very I, European. I, it's very European. What do you yeah. think, James? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I had a, a 98 323 IS that I really like bombing down the highway. Um, I used to call it the stealth bomber because I could go uh, maybe a little bit above the speed limit and never got caught once. So I really went very saying I very much enjoyed that. And these these are still affordable cars. If, of yes. course, you got to find a technoviolet one. You know, <laughs> to me, that, that makes the car. I wouldn't own one unless it was that color. <laughs> but that's just me. Got a little uh, like a prince in you, you know? <laughs> 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 yes, I, don't know right. I, I don't know if I would want this car in that color, but, you know, uh, and this is a factory paint, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. BMW has had some weird colors, you know, like that limey green and, you know, yeah. the white, you know violet. It's like the Porsche colors of the 70s. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, the weird, whatever, yeah. oldy green and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah the purples yeah. too, yeah, the Porsche had the, the, the funny purple cars. Oh, man, but, they, had, they, they had a purple one, I forget what they call their purple paint, uh, I remember um, a friend of mine had a 1975 911 Carrera in purple mm. with a bright red leather can-can interior. They called it can-can mm. uh, for the color. But a purple car with red interior just was, you know, Ooh. it looked great. <laughs> this uh, this car is only 16 grand, though. I mean, it's... Yeah. Guys, yeah I didn't know these M3s were going for that low. I thought they were a little higher than that. The 36s, the four doors, you know, you, so that's where you, you know, that's where you go with me. You know, again, if you want to buy a pristine one with low miles, you might have to pay up to 30. Right, right. Yeah, it's still a I good deal for an M3 though, guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but right? everyone, everyone complains though, I think it gets the, the US versus the European one of the E36 though, with the, right. the European one having more power as opposed this to the US one. 230 something, I think I remember, before, you know, it bumped up to 300, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So it's the unicorn, huh? This yep. is, this and is that's what I call it. This is finding, finding one, unicorn. finding a technoviolet four door with a five speed, that's a unicorn. We, well, I mean, do you have one? No, right? No, no. I've always wanted one. I don't But have if one. you do see one, are you all, all over it? Uh, you know, I saw one recently, but it was um, not what I would want. It had been modified too much along the uh, way. Right, right. Uh, I see. You know, and yeah. I, I'm much more of a purist. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take something that even has, um, you know, some higher miles on it, as long as it's pretty much as produced. Right. I'm with you too. I don't. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's move on Next to some, uh, let's move on to some Japanese cars. Yes. All right. So the best Japanese cars that Roger selects. Well, I think we have to start with, at least for me, uh, the original uh, Z car from uh, Datsun. Yeah. And um, uh, it's fascinating. When these came out, um, I was driving an XKE coupe. Um, and, you know, and, and you know, I went they to the like They do. There's so much styling influence uh, from, uh, uh, from, from the Jaguar design for these things oh, yeah. that I was really taken to them. Um, and uh, talk about a timeless design. Uh, you know, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, and, and you can have a lot of fun with one of these things and boy, did you get attention and they've just recently started to be picking up some, some uh, interest in the market in the last, I'd say three or four years, you're mm -hmm. starting to see them show up at collector car auctions, um, things like that. They made the 240, the 260 and the 280. 
Now, um, uh, as we were talking about the three years of that uh, 87, 89, 911, um, you know, while these were different models, you know, they increased the engine size, they refined the car quite a bit between the 240 and the 280. Uh, my girlfriend bought a 280 when used. I think she told me she was 18 or 19 years old. And, uh, and I, said, I said, wait a minute, you were driving around a 280 and when you were like 19? She said, yeah. And I said, I would have followed you down the street. Um, <laughs> so it, it's just a, uh, you know, so she, she, she tells me all the time, she says, if you ever get one, it has to be a 280 because they were so much more refined. Again, uh, they're very affordable, uh, you know, for a, a you know, 280s. Uh, you know, they're, they're a lot cheaper than the 240s, but you might, uh, you might be looking in um, uh, for 280. You could probably, you know, pick one of those up for in the 25 to 30 range compared to this one shows that it uh, was at 42. 42, um, man. Yeah, 42. Yeah, I know. Can you yeah, where were you, where were you three years ago, Sam? Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, these uh, Datsuns are, well, Nissans, they're going up in price. Last week, I think it was a, a 240SX, you know, not a Z, but a 240, 1990 240SX went for 32000 last week. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. started to become appreciated. Yeah. Appreciate it, not appreciate team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they are, I mean, you think about it. I mean, just, just you know, great cars. Yep. Just, uh, you know. And we all ignored them for so long. You and know? you still see them on the road, which is crazy too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I built. Mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, these have, you know, the, you know, there's a really strong Z following, you know, a club, strong club, you know, movement and, and all. But I think uh, the, the general auto enthusiast, uh, you know, market is starting to recognize them. You know, not just well, that's kind of like the last few years. Yeah. Last few years, these cars have left the club mm -hmm. and more people outside the club are noticing them. Which yeah. is always to the consternation of the people in the club, because they're mad now. <laughs> yeah, the prices are being driven up, and they can't afford whatever they wanted to get now. Yep. All right. Next. Oh no. So this is this That's is a two eighty. Yeah, 280. this is a two eighty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sold then, for fifteen five. Fifteen yeah. five. It was way cheaper than the two forty. Yeah. Uh, this. Yeah, this is a car that really killed me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but now we're making sense. One of my favorites. Um, yeah, NSX. Yeah, I, I like the very first, 91s and 92s. Me too. Uh, those to me, uh, the first time I drove one, I think it was a 92. Um, and I felt like I was driving a go-kart. Mm -hmm. I mean, the handling was so tremendous. And as you may remember, Sam, you know, being in the editorial business back then, that's when these cars ate, ate a set of tires every 3,000 miles. Oh, the rear rear tires, especially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the, the way the way uh, you know the way Acura set the way Honda basically set up the suspension, they set it up for driving and performance, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know to the expense of tires. And there was actually a class action suit you may remember uh, brought against Honda for this because people were tired of having to buy a new set of Bridgestones every three thousand miles. <laughs> basically, basically, you take your car in for an oil change and get a set of tires. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. yeah kind of yeah. true. People were getting a little upset about that. Um, so they did a settlement. Uh, Honda settled with their owners and mailed them all a coupon book for multiple sets of Bridgestone tires. Really? And, wow. And, yeah. Throw throw the coupon book in your dad in your glove box. <laughs> you know. And when you go in for your oil change, tell them to put new tires on and give them one of the coupons. Wow. You know? Every owner got the coupon book. 
I, I just think that, and, and after that, because they didn't want to keep having to make those kinds of settlements, mm -hmm. they redesigned the suspension so it did not eat tires. Mm -hmm. And didn't, I mean, while it's still a good handling car, it's not like those early ones. No, no. Yeah. Well, the earlier ones were, you know, test driven by Arch and Senna, and, you know, they basically yeah. wanted to reproduce that. So, you know, there oh, were, no. folks were going out with like super stiff, you know, sporty suspension, you know, so setups. Roger I was in, I was uh, thinking of buying a first generation NSX a couple, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, you know, mm -hmm. in 2018, because this one's 2019. And they were going for a 30, 35. I go, okay, yeah, you know, uh, let me wait and just kind of see what it does. And right now, what it's probably double that now, right? It's at a yeah, hundred. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to find that, yeah, you're going to pay probably 60 ish or something like that. I think more uh -huh. than that now. Well, for the interesting one, the later model ones are the ones that are bringing the real money. Oh, really? Uh, I don't yeah, think they yeah. expose the headlights. Those, yeah, or they'll have a target top, you know, all that mm. kind of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. and those are the ones that they're tending to bring more dough. Oh, um, so I, if I wanted to get a red one with the, you know, the nice round air, you know, aircraft cockpit kind of the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the, the canopy thing, I mean, I could. You, you're saying they're about 60 these days? Yeah, yeah. You can oh. get it in that price. Maybe hmm. I should look to buy one before they, before, or they become $90,000 cars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a last, a couple uh, days ago, I went to Top Rank. Um, it, it's a, Top Rank's a um, importer of JDM cars here in Southern California. And they have a pearl white, uh, I believe it's a 94 NSX. And apparently they're, uh, Pretty rare. I don't even know if they had the pearl whites here in the yeah, U.S. I've never seen one. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're very rare in Japan as well. Um, and it's not a Type R. Um, it's it's you know, but it's a JDM uh, Honda NSX. And right. And and they're they're looking forward to probably you know selling that thing up up there. You know, like eighty, ninety. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and it's a ninety four. You know, so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I say, the later model ones bring more money than the early ones. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah, but I, I love them, and, and I'm with you, Sam. It's got to be red. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's the first one red. I've ever driven, and I yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I like yeah. the whites. I like the whites. Yeah. The type <laughs> R, the well, Type like the R white. white. Yeah, the Type R white. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, they're they're tremendous cars, and and like I say, handling wise, on the early ones. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you're on a go-kart track, there's not too much that's going to match it. You yeah, know? yeah. They're, they're good choice. Really, you know, good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Um, um, moving on to the next car. Um, yeah. So uh, we were following the Z and the NSX. Um, I would assume that you would go with something like a GTR um, personally, but uh, Roger, you're going to have to explain to me why you chose this car. Okay, this this is the uh, this is the first. Gen oh my God, the Celica, Celica <laughs> Supra, Celica Supra, Celica Supra. Excuse Celica me, Celica Supra with a stick. When they came out, uh, here, here's the problem. See, I remember when all these cars were new. You know, that, that's that's my problem. Uh, and these were tremendous cars. They handled great. They had lots of power. Uh, uh, extremely handsome styling, um, and they really took, in my opinion. Uh, they took the uh, Toyota nameplate to a new level here in the States at that time with the introduction of this car. Okay. Um, I just think they were, uh, they were tremendous uh, vehicles mm -hmm. and uh, reliable, uh, you know, good looking, good power. 
I just think it's, it's, it's a landmark car in the evolution of the Japanese uh, nameplates in America. And that's why I like it. And, and by the way, you know, it, it's, I still think it is styling wise, the thing is beautiful. It still, it still holds up. Uh, and you can basically get these. I mean, you can buy the nicest one there is out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely most pristine one for under 25,000. And most of them you're going to buy for eight or 9,000. So mm -hmm. very affordable. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to see yourself coming down the street in one of them, you know, you know, there'll be a little bit of cachet to the fact you have it. Um, and and I, I just, you know, I really like them. What can I say? Yeah, you know, yeah. I owned one. Oh, did oh, you? you did. Not the Supra, uh, not the Celica Supra, though, but the Supra Celica. that, you know, had the kind of the same body style. Mm -hmm. Okay. Almost the cockroach kind of body style. Yeah. What, what, I, what do they like call this body years. style? What do they call this body style? Isn't it? Don't they have a nickname for this thing? Uh, the round, was it the slug? So, so they have oh, a I thought it was like the cockroach. Like yeah. Is it the cockroach? I thought so, but that's why <laughs> yeah. everyone's calling mine. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I just think when, when I, for whatever reason, because to me, this was such a landmark evolution at the time. Yeah. That if you ask me about Japanese cars, this is one of the ones that pops into my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was even before the, you know, the Toyota Corolla, you know, the 86, the, you know, um, the, the Levins and the, um, mm -hmm. you know, the sportier, the real rear wheel drive right. uh, this, Corollas came out. This was before that. So, you know, it was, you know, I, a friend of mine owned one of these in high school too. I mean, I he had a, he had a yellow one. We always made fun of him. Oh, I had a yellow <laughs> one too. <Mine> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I had a friend that had a white one, and we, I made fun of him as well. <laughs> Roger, Roger, everyone's making fun of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will tell you, not this car, but uh, just a, just a funny story. Uh, early in my television career in uh, 78, 79, I was working in Atlanta for Ted Turner. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Ted drove a Toyota Cressida. Oh, okay. That was his car. Ted? Ted he drove he drove a toyota four-door toyota cressida wow that kind wow. of tells you you know a lot about ted and a lot about the toyota cressida probably just a smooth great driving car so it was it was a really nice car and yeah. uh, and and he it, you know up just, just an aside because you know we got we're on a time schedule but uh one day i was driving a porsche 911 and <laughs> i decided i'm going to uh try to save a couple of bucks so i'm taking the uh, the brand new subway in atlanta to get to work you know, because it costs a quarter and I couldn't start my 911 for a quarter. And, 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 and I was bringing my lunch in a brown paper bag. And so I get, I, you take the subway and then you take a bus up to where the uh, offices were. And I'm getting off the bus in a suit carrying my brown paper lunch bag. And who's driving down the street but Ted and his president. And he's hanging out the window, laying on the horn, waving like a madman, yelling something. And I, and I get in my office and the intercom rings and it's Turner saying, get in my office. And I think, you know, you never know when you got that call with Ted. So, so I go in his office and he's going, that's so great. One of my guys can ride the bus to work. He doesn't have to drive a damn Cadillac, you know, and all this. Time. So it was just, it was just, a, it was a funny, uh, funny thing. For, but that's the way Ted looked at things like that. You know, you can buy some great stuff. You can get some great stuff without spending tremendous money. Right, right. Oh, that's great. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> didn't know he drove a Toyota Cressida. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you took a bus to work. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, for a quarter? Well, kind of like, how can you not for 25 cents? That's true. You know? Okay, now uh, now we're moving on to domestic cars. You guys asked me for my picks on domestic cars. Um, 
This is a, um, uh, I, I will this is a 66 Shelby GT350. Mm -hmm. um, I like this car and I like the 65, which were almost indistinguishable in terms of any differences between them. The 65 did not have a rear seat. Um, the 66 did. Uh, 65 had side exhaust coming out, you know, uh, right before the rear wheel. Uh, 65 had a Detroit locker transmission that clunk noisy as could be. It's basically, I mean, a rear axle. It was a, a rear diff. It, and it was just, you know, it was used for the racetrack. But this was the car that, you know, when, when Ford called up Shelby and said, we have this thing called a Mustang we just brought out and we want to go racing and we want to compete with Corvette. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to, we, you know, we want you to do to our Mustang what you did with the Cobra. Mm -hmm. And he took the car, totally re-engineered it, and came out with the GT350. And, and they made 36 or 37 race versions, the R models, in 1965. Mm -hmm. Those cars won the SCCA B Production Championship in 1965, in 1966, and in 1967. Three years in a row with a 1965 car. Mm -hmm. they, it wasn't a new R model coming out every year. But right. these, these are just some of the best handling cars It'll just put a smile on your face. Um, you can buy a, uh, they, they made, only made a little over 565s. They made about 2,200, 2,366s. Mm -hmm. So because of, you know, amount made, you're going to pay more for a 65. 65 is going to cost you three fifty dollars to $400,000 to buy a really nice one. Okay. A 66 like you're looking at here, here's probably a nice one. Could be had for 200000 but okay. it's, it's one of those, I think the styling is yeah. timeless. Mm -hmm. And the Shelby, anything Shelby, whether it's a Cobra or one of the Mustangs, is a generational, um, uh, uh, it transcends generations. Yeah. So whether, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the newest kids out on the block who are looking for cars, they all understand what a Shelby is. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a Shelby Mustang or Shelby Cobra. Or, or you know, guys like me, that uh, have a little gray hair on top, same thing. It's, it's, it's just, everyone speaks the same language. So when you ask for domestic, what I think are good picks in domestic that have held value too, I've seen a lot of decline. I think, I think 65 and 66 GT350s are there. Yeah, yeah, great. Hey, Carl, do we great need choice. to let Roger go? He's gonna be late for his- I'm good, I'm good. Oh. I'll, I'll, you sure? unless, unless, unless you're giving me the bums right. No, no, I'm not. I'm, oh, I'm okay. watching no. the clocks. I don't want we to. had a couple other things. So I'll just, yeah. let, let's, let's move on to the next one. Uh, yes, the uh, 49 Sedanette Cadillac. I just think styling wise, this fastback look mm -hmm. is just so cool. It's also 49. They, they did a very similar uh, Sedanette in 48. Um, and as a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Cadzilla, uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top's mm -hmm. Hot Rod Cadillac. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Cadzilla yes. was based on a 48. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And, and this is a 49. I, again, I like them stock. Oh, Cadzilla is beautiful. Yeah, he actually yeah. loaned it to us when we started Speed Vision. Oh, really? At a cable convention. And he had a Honda, I mean, a Harley made up called Hogzilla. So we had <laughs> Hogzilla and Cadzilla side by side in our convention booth. Hmm. But, this, uh, but these cars, it's the first year of the overhead uh, valve uh, Cadillac engine, so that's why I like 49. But you know, you just look at it and you think to yourself, if you were an ad agency executive on Madison Avenue in 1949, driving to work in this thing, you know, yeah, it, it was it was the bee's knees, as they say. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 it really is. I mean, a rock star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so striking in terms of that fastback 
look versus mm -hmm. anything else that was out there at the time. Yeah. Um, I just think windshields. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you can you can get these um, you can get decent quality drivers like this for probably thirty to forty thousand dollars. Oh so, really? Wow. Yeah. So if you're looking for, you know, kind of a classic mm -hmm. that you want to get into, you know, they're great. I'd go with the forty nine because you want that new motor. We'll get mm -hmm. motor now, but you know what I'm saying the, the overhead right. valve. Um, so I like that. If you want to buy a Concord one, every nut and bolt done that's going to win some big award, you're going to pay probably seventy or seventy five. I see. But, you know, I wow. think I think they're great cars. Yeah, but still reasonable though. I mean, look at this thing. It's a piece of I art. Know. Yeah. It, it, you know, price per pound, it beats most stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, this is this is one of my favorites, the '92 Viper. Um, you know, extremely, extremely rare. Very first year of the Viper. You know, they didn't make any '93s. They jumped from '92 to '94. Uh, they only made 285 of the uh, of the '92s. Um, and I just, you know, I mean, those early Vipers—they're brutal. Mm. You know, it's basically got that uh, you know 10-cylinder truck engine that okay. Chrysler right. sitting around. They dropped in it, and it's all fiberglass. The design is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And and but everything shakes and rattles because it's all fiberglass that was put together. You're getting <laughs> one of these things hauling down the freeway in LA or someplace, and it's noisy, but it's it's a brute. It's a modern day Cobra for the mm. time. You know? And if you're if you're a passenger in this, you also get incredibly hot very quickly with that exhaust sitting underneath you. Oh yeah, yeah. It, and and uh, you got to watch those side pipes. The you do. certainly do watch those side pipes. Well, otherwise, you get a sink back. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think the, these these are these are great. You can. Uh, I mean, this particular one to get a '92 because they're so rare, first year on so limited. You're going to pay probably seventy seventy five thousand to find a nice one. Uh, you know, if you want a '94. Or 95, which I'm going to say you're going to be hard pressed to pick out any real differences between them until you look at the paperwork. Um, you know, on that, you're going to pay, yeah, probably 40 to, you know, 40, maybe even a little less, you know, mm -hmm. probably no more than 50 unless you had a couple of cocktails at an auction and somebody else did the same and you're both fighting <laughs> over the same car. But, you know, I, I just think these are tremendous cars, all the power in the world. Um, you know, the challenge obviously is tires. You know, mm -hmm, again, um, you know, finding the fine tires are going to fit this thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great choices of the domestic cars. We got the mm -hmm. Shelby, the Cadillac, and the Dodge Viper. Good choices. Yep. Good choices. Yeah. Roger, real quick, you know, on the Viper for seventy grand. I mean, is that you know, with uh, the Ferrari versus Ford versus Ferrari movie out, Shelby making a name for himself, is that a car that may you you know, in all possibility, be a very high priced car in a few years? If it is Sam, it's going to be that ninety-two. Just the because first one, right? First just year, yeah. yeah, and a very limited number. Um, you know, they didn't race the Viper until later, so there was no real race association with it. Mm -hmm. You know, you get into the you know into the nineties, late nineties, and uh, you know the Viper Coupes were racing at Le Mans and did quite right. well. Right. Um, you know the Orcas, and uh, right. uh, so, but you know the regular street Vipers like this, I, I don't know. It's more, you know, more, you, you got to look at these things as almost like nostalgia, mm. you know, who was around in the nineties who had a poster of this on their wall in their bed. I did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I actually have the poster of the 92 that, uh, uh, that, uh, Dodge gave out at the New York auto show. Mm. Um, mm. you know, yeah. And I've got the Hulk Hogan poster. 
nice. Really? Yeah, yeah where it came with the, the, the yellow wheels as well, the differentiator between the two. Nice. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, classic cars. This is the, um, this is the 30, 33 Auburn Speedster 12-cylinder. Um, I just think it's, 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 you know, you think of the Auburn Botel Speedsters, you think of the 35 and 36, where the grill was raked back a little bit and bulbous fenders and, you know, supercharged pipes coming out the side. You know, that's all well and good. But, you know, to me, this is a classic style. Uh, and, and the 12 cylinder gave it all the torque and power in the world. Uh, and these were extremely rare. I think they made 12 of them. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And to buy one of these is probably in the, you know, $450,000 to $500,000 range now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But it's, and you can buy an eight cylinder one for a lot less. But okay. to buy the 12, mm. uh, which was so rare. I see. Now, I know you guys are on a time crunch. Do you want to jump ahead a bit? We can to the jump next ahead. Part, yep. Yep. Okay. Let's, let's, let's the run right through these. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, to me, the Stutz just presents just power. You see this thing coming at you down the road with that grill, those headlights, the mass of it. Um, and this was the Stutz uh, 32, the DV32. Mm -hmm. uh, and what is, is Stutz couldn't afford to engineer a 12 at the time when everyone else is coming out with 12s and even 16s. They had to stick with their eight, they didn't have the money. So what they did is they engineered a 32 valve head for it. So they had four valves per cylinder, ahead of its nobody time. else had at the time, yeah. which gave it you know, tremendous power. And, and these are, I mean, in just the fit and finish of them, they're, they're, and they're fairly rare, but you'll pay probably 100 to 125 for one of these, really well done. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, they, they float my boat. Yeah. Now this. This one is beautiful. This one, the Bugatti Royale. You know, it's yeah. funny when I was, a, you know, today people think about what's the most expensive car out there. Everyone says, well, it's a Ferrari GTO. You know, yeah. they sell for 75 million. Rumor one went privately for over a hundred million not too long ago. When I was growing up, this was the most expensive car in the world. Mm. Bugatti Royale. Bugatti built uh, six of them. And you had to be a king to get one, hence yeah. the name Royale. Yeah, it, it looks like the, a king's car. The, uh, yeah, the engine, the engine was, um, it was over 700 cubic inches. You know, I, I can't remember the exact number, but they were locomotives and massive, handmade. They were the ultimate luxury. They, they were the ultimate statement of an automobile at the time. And, and uh, you know, they, they have somewhat kind of, I've only seen one in my life. Mm. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, which is not surprising seeing it's only made six, but the Bugatti Royale, it's just a, it, it's a breathtaking car. It's, it's, it's sheer statement of purpose and power. Hence, you had to be a king to have one. Uh, and, and you've kind of like, uh, people have almost forgotten about them, you know? It's, uh, there is a price to one of these, like at an auction. What do you think? Your oh, God. Uh, it's like in a priceless yeah category oh though right yeah something I mean, like this one option, i don't think you'd get one for less than 40 million dollars personally well, yeah, yeah you know it'd have to be in that price range if not more um and uh i think that rounds out our classic cars i can just tell you verbally if you want just to get go real quick guys because i know you were pressed on time too 
Uh, you asked for my. No, we're, we're, no, we're, we're, uh, we're not uh, pressed on time no, at we're, all. We're worried no, about you. We're worried about you. Yeah, we can be, we can listen to you all day. But when you ask me to come up with listening <laughs> cars, huh? Okay. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that easily. Um, let's move but, on to the uh, new uh, car category. Okay. If you're okay on time, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, keep yeah. on going. But I, let's I probably go to good five or 10. I can okay. All right. Let's, yeah. let's rush through these. All right. Then. So let's go to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Which we'll is go. new cars. Hold on. New cars New car. are going for, there we go. The, um, the, the 2021 Corvette Z06 edition. Um, you know, the general hit it out of the park this time with the Corvette. Uh, I personally, I've owned some Corvettes, uh, some older ones, you know, I, I, but I'm not a big Corvette, especially the more modern Corvettes. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, they, but this car, the styling of it, it's so breathtaking, mid-engine, uh, you know, the Z06 model is somewhere around 650 horsepower. Yeah. Plus this, is a this is a 2020. This is a 2020 that yeah. we're looking so at right I know. now. Yeah. It, it's going to look very, the Z06 will have a few more flares and carbon exactly. fiber bits, mm -hmm. you know, all around it, uh, you know, groundwork and stuff, which is going to make it even more breathtakingly beautiful. Yep. And, uh, and, and it's, they're going to retail them at $85,000. So hell of a bank for your buck. Yeah. And I what mean, do you think of the choice that they made to go uh, midship? I'm fine with it. I think mid-engine cars handle tremendously. You know, uh, I like it. It's, um, I think it'll be a, a, a great, uh, you know, a great seller. I think, uh, I don't think it has, you know, there was a time, uh, Taro, that, you know, something had a mid-engine and it's like, well, that's quirky. That's mm -hmm. weird, you know. Yeah. But I think enough time has progressed that, you know, every, you know it's not a 914 Porsche. You know, yeah, mid engine. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I think that you got, um, you know, and I think be honest about it. Most of today's buyers, with how good these cars are, never can't tell you where the engine is anyway. They never yeah. open the hood. They never yeah. look at it. Yeah. Somebody does that for them. Now this, you remember earlier we were talking about BMWs, mm -hmm. and I said I'm a big fan of the two. I am a huge fan of the M2. Mm -hmm. I think bang for the buck, the M2 competition is one of the best values you can get out there. It's over 400 horsepower. It's an honest 0 0.64 second car, if not even a tenth of a second less than that. Mm -hmm. um, they're so well made. Uh, you've got that seven speed dual clutch uh, transmission. Um, you know, they've got the paddles if you want to play with paddles, but to be honest, uh, you know, if you just let it do its own thing, it's going to shift so much better than I can anyway. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it, it they're just, unbelievably handling cars. They get looks all day long when you drive down the road. You get a lot more looks in an M2 than you will in an M3 or an M4. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get thumbs up all day long with those cars. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of those. Bang for the buck. It's a third of the price of a 911 with 911 performance. Now this, this is the, uh, this is the Bronco. Yeah, we um, agree. I, I agree with you at least on the, on the Bronco. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think Tara, I think the jury's still out on these. You know, and because no one's actually seen one, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you get them in the, you know, you see them in the pictures everywhere, but I don't know any automotive rider that's even gotten to drive one somewhere, you know, um, yeah. so they're, they're still out, but they certainly look handsome. They're getting a lot of buzz. They're yeah. going to come out uh, sometime, uh, sometime in 2021. Mm -hmm. This is the Badlands edition. They're, you know, doing all kinds of fancy things like that. Now yeah. the question is going to be, how's the styling going to hold? You know, yeah, yeah. you go to these retro things, they look really cool at first. Mm -hmm. And then are, are you going to be able to live with it? And case yeah. in point, 
you guys may remember the Plymouth Prowler. When <laughs> Plymouth brought that out, yeah, everyone yeah. said, what a cool looking car. They, they, they've retro styled hot rod. Well, a PT know? Cruiser too, right? Like at the beginning, exactly. people thought they were really cool, but then it's like, ah. Exactly. Oh. And now yeah. you see them both, PT Cruisers and Prowlers, and you think that's a you know piece of you know what you know yeah, yeah. And, and you can't give them away yeah and so the question is going to be how well is this styling going to hold we're all attracted to it because it's so different so retro reminiscent of the original bronco the ruggedness of it but is it going to last i don't know but right now it goes in one of the top new cars you got a good point you got a really good point there all right and the last one best uh, used car rogers best, best used, used car. car yes yeah I fell in love with this car and I almost bought one. Hmm. Um, this is the 18 BRZ TS edition. Uh, it had the big wing, you know, hmm. all the cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I drove one at a um, press day okay. uh, for, autom for uh, you know, automotive uh, press. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I got to tell you, I didn't want to give it back. Hmm. You know, I seriously started looking around trying to find one to buy it. Hmm. It, it handled so well. Um, it, you know, everything is you in the car. Mm -hmm. You're not letting computers control anything. It's so, it's so old school uh, where the driver is really responsible for what the car is doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's only 200 horsepower, plus or minus. Mm -hmm. I think it may be 205, it may be a flat 200. It really needs another 60 horses. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you're going through the gears, you get to that point where you go, Mm, come on, just a little more, please. Not yeah. a lot more, just a little more. Yeah. But as you know, it, it, it's going to be easy to get another 60 horses out of this if you want it. You yeah. Know? yeah, You can play around with that and that's going to be, that, that, that can be managed. But I just think they're tremendous cars. BRZs uh, are hard to find too, to start with. So this TS version must be extremely hard to find. Yeah, I think right now, we checked uh, uh, earlier this week and I think there are maybe half a dozen on autotrader.com right now. <laughs> okay. You know, across the nation. Look at <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and they're asking mid thirties for them, which is about mm -hmm. what they were new. Right? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I, actually, you probably could have bought one for less when they were new because dealers are trying to move them off a lot. Right, right, you know? right, yeah. Um, but I'm a big fan of this car. I think it's tremendous. Um, we got any more or that's, it's, that's my only used car? That's, that's your only used car. Yeah, okay. that's what we got. All right. Well, cool guys. Thanks, thanks Roger, so much. That was awesome. That was, was that was awesome. Roger. What, a, what, a, what yeah. a treat! Yeah, what a treat! Well, Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you guys. It, like I say, I, I love to talk about this stuff. My passion for cars has been with me my whole life, and and as as I said earlier, being able to you know marry that with my mm -hmm. passion for business and the television side um, is 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 just been. I, I'm a very happy guy. Yeah. Well, not not just not the cars, but the um, stories of you know, Ted Turner and everything. I mean, that was, that was really, really uh, interesting. Um, Roger, honored before, to have you on our show. Yeah. And th Roger, thank you for coming on the show. Go, uh, is there anything that you're going to be working on or something that we should be on the lookout for soon? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a lot on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube right mm -hmm. now with, uh, we've taken all of our cars that we shot in the shows and you can see the full length shows over on curiosity stream, or you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. It's what's my car worth, okay. uh, and you can okay. follow us. So you can subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, What's My Car Worth, and and we're doing. Uh, we basically take. They're all individual cars now. They're not. You know, it's not a show where you're going to cover five or six different cars. You're, in, you know, you can look it up. You can say, okay, here's the, uh, you know, here's the Acura NSX. 
Yeah. So I just want to see that. And we'll take, we'll show you what it's like to drive. We'll give the visceral experience of, uh, you know, you'll go along with our, our uh, host as he drives the car down the road. We do, we, we evaluate it real quickly for, you know, sort of uh, uh, condition and collectability. We followed across the auction block, but that might've been, you know, four years ago. Mm -hmm. So then we update it with what it's worth now, what the market well, has done do. with that That's car. Awesome. Great, great, great. Yeah. So each of the so clips we, are on one car only, right? Yes, one yeah. car only. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they range from probably two minutes to three minutes. Mm -hmm. We might have a couple at 90 seconds. So we've tried to make them bite size, uh, very digestible because most people today, when they're watching product on their phones, their tablets, or their computers, mm -hmm. you know, don't want to sit down and watch a 45 minute show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, we're, this, we're like, like this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, until you got to that point, we're trying to emulate uh, Taro and the GT channel. You know, model. So, yeah. Roger, thank you, man. That was thank awesome. You. Thank you so yeah, much. Wonderful. Guys. Thank you so much, Roger. Have a Pleasure. nice cigar and a nice drink of Bacardi there. That's where I'm heading. Okay. All right. See ya. Bye bye. Enjoy your night. Bye. Thank bye. you. Well, that, oh, that was, was awesome. A, that was a walk down memory lane a little bit for me. So, yeah. Unfortunately, all the dang cars that I was had interest in, they're, I'm priced out of them now. It's crazy. Well, you should have bought them when they were I available. know, who, who would have predicted this? It's, it's all that boat money, Sam. I mean, that's what we're concerned about. That's <laughs> yeah, where it's, all it's because you're buying boats. Yeah, buying boats, okay. <laughs> all right, Hawaii. Dave, yes? Dave, uh, you want to go next because, I mean, you are in a very unique spot, so. Yeah, did, did you explain to everybody where you are? Yeah, there's no, there's, there's not that, there's no disheveled bed behind yeah, you. Yeah, what's, what's going on? Where are my you? Bed's, my bed's never disheveled, Sam. It's always well made, look at that. Uh, so yeah. I'm actually on a road trip at the morning, at the moment, I should say, not this morning. This morning, I was in Durango in Colorado, and today, this afternoon, I'm in Taos in New Mexico. Wow. Um, oh. So I've been sort of going around the southwest uh, so we started obviously came coming out of los angeles went up to uh las vegas and then up into utah mm -hmm. um which has been a lot of fun seeing a lot of national parks getting set and then just trying to go head down and see more of new mexico and then head out to uh, arizona before coming back into southern california and wrapping the trip after like about 10 11 days awesome no, is everybody uh, being careful out there? Um, everybody wearing masks and uh, social, uh, well, <laughs> social well, distancing? Let's, let's just say everyone has their own version of what they're comfortable with. Uh, I think <laughs> that uh, my, my version is very much wearing the mask and then taking, grabbing takeout and bringing it back and eating it in the hotel room, I think is the best way to go about doing that it. That is the, definitely the best, safest way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we've been, we've been just doing the best we can. But luckily enough, it was, was helped on this road trip by Lexus, who were kind enough to loan me the the RX 450 hybrid for the trip is where we've been going with it so like, far. It sounds like an ideal mount for your, um, for your trip. Yeah, it's been, it, honestly, it's been incredible. I mean, I know how highly I speak of my uh, Ram 1500 that I had, sure. Sam. Uh, well, <laughs> the greatest, the, will, greatest vehicle ever made. It is. The, listen to you. It, it is. I'd say it probably, now, I used to give that, I would say that was easily a 10 out of 10. Uh, we, unfortunately, recent developments have dropped that down to be a nine out of ten because they've obviously released TRX, which has the the supercharged version. So that gives that maybe until I get that one. But this Lexus has been incredible. It's uh, while it's only three hundred, give or take three hundred eight horsepower. Um, only, it, only yes. It's more than adequate for it to get me around. I mean, I think as of this morning, we covered fourteen hundred and forty miles. Mm -hmm. uh, just under 49 gallons of fuel in that. So I've averaged around 29 and a half mile per gallon. 
um, pretty good, but, yeah. But that's obviously that's going up and down scaling mountains and whatnot. That's exactly. not all highways. So yeah. uh, when we've been on the highways, it's Beautiful average up. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And um, I can it, tell you've actually went into this grassy field to, to get the shot. <laughs> I did. I did, yeah. Sam. And, and so these you can see. So this was just taken outside of uh, Springdale in, in Utah. Okay. Um, but we're out for, for a little short drive. Um, now, I've just tried to sort of depict the different changes in the, the landscape of the United States as we're going through, um, which really shows wow. uh, how things sort of move along as you move around this great country that I've had the chance to do. Like a so, Grand Canyon. yeah. So, what and that's that's still in Utah again. That's in, okay. uh, uh, in Zion way. Oh, Zion. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's beautiful so, out there. So it's it's been really incredible. I mean, it was obviously a little bit warm when we started, but the temperatures kind of dropped now. Mm -hmm. um, but getting back to the car that made this so good is, I mean, there's so much room. Uh, it's got the suitcases in. We've got a cooler in the back. It makes it nice and comfortable. Um, they've actually done away with or they've added, I should say, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, but they've done it with the touchscreen. So we'll always we complain about the, the fiddly Lexus system. It's all touchscreen now, and so you can sort of take away that out of it and don't have to use that silly keypad they give you, or the trackpad, I should say. Mm -hmm. So that makes it so much more of a pleasurable car to be driving around with. Mm -hmm. um, it starts at around 47,000. This version that I've got spec'd up just closer to shy of 60,000. Is it um, because it's the hybrid? The hybrid bumps it up quite a bit, right? No, no, the hybrid starts at 47. Oh, I'm so, sorry, the hybrid starts at 47, okay. Yeah, yeah, so this is spec'd up. It's got like bigger wheels and it's got the bigger audio system uh, and a few other things that make a little bit of difference. But um, I mean, I do think it's still even close to 60. It's incredibly good value for money. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, like I say, doing 1,400 miles and this is less than seven days I've done that. Driving, going out and spending three hours in it at, minimum every day driving it to and from not being tired at all getting out of the car it's been a, a real great cracker of a car to drive and be so much comfortable carry all the luggage even have room in the back if we needed to put anyone else in there mm -hmm. um it's been really really enjoyable i mean i will say that that grill does catch a lot of bugs um <laughs> yeah how many so hours of driving are you doing per day uh the longest i think we did was nine hours okay. um one yeah. day but but most days is between say three and four hours. I think yeah, it's going to start to be, that's be nice. about yeah between like four to five hours going mm -hmm. on for the rest of the trip as we sort of head back now. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to do like another fifteen hundred miles to get home. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's really is really comfortable behind the wheel. Um, what else can I say? It, it's uh, it drives like a car. It's what I think is makes it the best thing about it. Like last time, obviously I talked about the the Volkswagen uh, Atlas Cross Sport which while that came in at around 50,000, that still had a real floaty suspension. You felt like you're floating, it felt very big. This one really does feel like you're driving a car. I would take um, the RX any day over the Atlas. I yeah, would. I mean, there is a $10,000 difference, but there's definitely a $10,000 difference in quality ride um, and everything else associated with that. So this picture that you're seeing here is me crossing the Rio Grande uh, wow. mountain range. So that's mm. going between Silverton and Telluride. Um, and when you need to but get the power to, do, to overtake, I mean, it's right there. It can go from like 60 to, to 80 if you're in the Utah where you've got speeds like that in the highway. Very, very easy. It's got the eight-speed uh, CVT, but there's no problem with that. Uh, it's standard all-wheel drive. Uh, it's been super handy. I mean, you've got, like I said, 308 horsepower. I think it's around 247 pound-feet of torque. Um, 
it's a it's a really good car. I really enjoy it. I mean, there's some small tweaks that I think it could be like a little bit more advantageous, like if it went full electric for a little bit higher in the mile per hour range, mm. might make it a little bit better. But other than that, I mean, I really, really enjoy putting the miles in this car. A huge thanks to Lexus for being able to make this happen and, and giving me the extra leeway to spend a little bit more time in the car and go a little bit further than I normally would. How's the missus liking the car? Is she is she behind the wheel as well, or are you just driving mostly? Driving so I'm the, uh, Lexus. Uh, obviously, you know Tara. With regards to cars, it's only me that's allowed to drive the car. <laughs> but she's she's been a very very pleasant and enjoyable passenger in the car. Mm. Um, it's just like I said. I mean, you've got the the air rated seats. It's comfortable. It's very luxurious. You can bend and shape that seat any which mm. way you want. You can move it back and forward. Um, I mean, she's had no problems driving, covering those those fourteen hundred plus miles, being a passenger. I mean. Yes, she sometimes may be complaining about the type of music I choose, but these things happen and we sort of get around that. It's not a problem at all, but it's, it's just really easy to get in and out of. It's nice. Uh, the lift gate, it's got the foot where you can sweep it under if you need to open or close it, which makes it fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice feature. Yeah. yeah. And then, and like I said, you can lift the bags in and out the back fairly easy. It's a nice height. It's a medium sized SUV. Um, I mean, obviously it doesn't have the size of say the, the Atlas cross sport, but for just the two of us, for what we've got, we don't really need that extra space. This is why I like this one and, and being able to have this run around town would be a great car. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm, I, glad, I I'm, glad, I'm glad you, have, you guys are having a good time. Definitely a recommend, yeah? Yeah, definitely a recommend. And mostly what I really want to know is I just want to get Sam's feedback on the photos just to see if they meet his road and track quality is what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put, let me just put it this way, James. With those backgrounds and the scenery, you've got to be pretty bad to screw it up. So, so they're, well, those, they're good. They're good. Uh, I'm glad I get your approval, Sam, in regards to that. <laughs> Look at that. Look yeah. at the scenery, though. God, where is this? Yeah, so, so that was actually going on the Colorado River as we headed out of uh, Moab. Um, probably mm -hmm. that was probably the best drive that we did uh, and enjoyed it the most. It was really epic. There's the scale of where you're sort of in that. Uh, mm -hmm. Going by the Colorado River, I mean, it was it was incredible. Really, really enjoyed that drive. Are you Wood guys rest. going down any uh, dirt tracks at all, or is it just paved uh, roads? All paved roads. Okay. We've sort of tried just just to keep it just to be on the safe side of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could go off road, like I said, it's all wheel drive. Yeah. But we've sort of just kept it to to where we try to be there. I mean, we've been on some out there roads where you're the only one. I mean, driving state of Taos, uh, mm -hmm. we were the only ones in the road for like good stretches, mm -hmm. uh, and you've got wide wide open plains and it's like yeah be a real enjoyable time with it okay so we oh, will job. be having a race report next week right since you're out on the road or next uh, episode yeah i mean obviously the one i'd like to talk about for my personal favorite is the speedway grand prix starts on friday uh, which you can watch on speedway grand prix on youtube uh, and that's the one i'm going to be making you guys watch after this so you can tell me what you think but i'm going to be sending you the link so you can give me that's a feedback right. that's right well, Speaking uh, of motorsports, God. Yeah. Then our, no, Indy 500. Congratulations. Yes. Sato, <laughs> uh, one of our good friends, um, uh, or one of my good, uh, you know, no, he's never been on the show, but yeah, he's, he's a good, good why, Sam, why hasn't he been on the show yet? Why are you your friend? He's, he's hard make, to get a hold of. So make, I, that, make that call, Sam. Uh, uh, Sam, you've got to do it. Do it, <laughs> Sam. Do it. I think the best way to do it is get Roger Yasukawa on the show first, and then he'll set it up to get Takuma on the show. Why don't we get both of them on the show then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but one at a time. Or together. Well, <laughs> I, I would rather have one at a time because they both have their own stories, you know. Okay. All right. 
Fair Especially enough. Especially Takuma when, you know, it's Formula One days, you know? So, yeah. Is that okay. it for you, James? Thanks, James. That's it. That's, that's me this week, Sam. All so right. I can start giving you a hard time now. Okay, well. Right. Good then report, I, James. Thank you. Yeah, good report and good driving and, you know, keep it safe. Yeah. Always, Sam. Stay, always. Stay, stay, but stay. by the way, how is the how is the traffic? Are the roads? I mean, all of those photos—they look like you pretty much had the whole state to yourself. <laughs> I mean, it has. It's a little bit busy in some stretches, but it's been pretty uh, pretty clear for most of it to be saying that. I mean, um, it was obviously busy going from Los Angeles up to Las Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, but after that, I mean, we've generally been setting off like first thing in the morning, like around eight thirty, and trying to get to our destination for just around lunchtime. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been. I mean, it's not busy, busy where we're going. I mean, we're covering big stretches of land here mm -hmm. um, in the southwest, and so it hasn't been that bad. Uh, fingers crossed the traffic stays where it is because it's, we don't want to obviously be held up for any length of time, but it's been right. pretty good to be fair. So we've been real happy with how it's looked so far. And awesome. ho hotels are, are pretty vacant or are they, you know, half full? What do you, what do you feel about the, the hotels? Uh, so you'd be surprised how many people are actually staying in the hotels, really? especially, especially the national parks, the number of people that are out and about in the national parks. Really? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we didn't do any hikes. One, because it's been over 105, I'd say, for every national park we've been in. Yeah. But um, so we've just mostly been driving and then jumping out, snapping a photo mm -hmm. with our masks and then jumping back in the car and then driving around. Mm -hmm. But lots and lots of, I mean, all the national parks are sold out. Like to mm -hmm. get into, into Zion, they open up the park for like uh, hiking passes at 9 a.m. And by five past nine in the morning, they're all sold out for the day. Wow, really? Hey, yeah. do these people know that there's this uh, virus kind of going around? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on which way you lean towards in regards to that, Sam. But uh, like I said, we've just been as safe as we can. Uh, everywhere we go, we've got our masks, change our masks daily like we should do, wash our hands, social distance, everything else on this one. And, and we've been really uh, support, trying to support all the businesses we go to. Like, obviously, it's only takeout, but we're still tipping on that because that's how we feel. This is where we've got to support. I, I do is that. Given. Yeah. yeah. So... And then eating in our rooms or maybe like if there's, there's the only time we ate in a restaurant so far is when we were the only people in the restaurant with the one guy working behind the counter. <laughs> so we felt at that point we're okay. Um, but you know what, though? But that means the food might kill you. No, it, <laughs> yeah. no. Funnily enough, it was a salad bar. So we were the only ones getting the salad bar. So there you oh, go. The, sa the salads are the, the, the salads are the Scary yeah, ones, yeah. The bars are the worst. The, the raw vegetables are the are the yeah. The raw the, vegetables well, are kill you. Plantation has gone out of business over in our part of the <laughs> Well, let's. It was like they build you a salad, if that makes sense. But anyway, it's a different okay. story. All right, but well, you're our guinea pig, James. If you come back, yeah. If I come back, okay, COVID, everyone can do it. Yeah. Could, yeah. If we're careful, we could do road trips. Right? And I can plan <laughs> it out for you. I'm happy to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah, of course, Sam. Well, I mean, as uh, with this Corona thing, you know, I mean, I'm sure all you guys have been, you know, who uh, subscribe to all these Instagrams and, you know, from Facebook, whatever, from uh, different car sites and stuff. You know, we used to get like, you know, uh, information on hot new cars or future cars, all that a lot. But lately, there really hasn't been any. So, mm -hmm. Um, so we had to work extra hard to see what we could come up with scoops and, uh, well, at least in Japan, uh, there is going to be a nice lineup of impressive new vehicles that are scheduling to appear, uh, very soon. And hopefully, well, we'll get some of those cars here too, but unfortunately, uh, the 
grim reality is a lot of them aren't destined for our shores. Um, especially the, the car you see here, the new Subaru Lavorg. Now, um, it's been in Japan, um, marketed in Japan, and uh, this car it will be pre uh, will be available for pre-order in Japan on August twentieth. So uh, that's a few days ago, six days ago, they've started taking pre-orders, and the actual vehicle will go on sale over there in September. And as you can see, it's what we here call a station wagon, uh, word we don't like to use. So unfortunately, I think that's one of the reasons Subaru has uh, not made it available in the U.S. But I say change the dang name of that genre to something else like, you know, like shooting break. That sounds so much cooler, doesn't it? Or even James, what do you guys call it in your country? It's, it's an estate. An estate. That estate. even sounds so rich and that's, so That sounds so better. Snobby. I love it. Station wagon just sounds so horrible. But look at this car. I mean, it, does it look like some... Something your you know uh, your old eighty year old grandpa with like thick coke bottle glasses would be driving. It looks like an estate, right? The Lavori estate, yeah, <laughs> rather I than mean, a station wagon. To be fair, you could almost call it the Impressa, you know the, the you know the WRX is, uh, estate or shooting brake. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, but this is something I would totally re, uh, really consider buying. You know, if it were marketed here, because. You know, it doesn't look like your typical station wagon. You know, you got stuff where you could put your golf clubs or whatever, your recreational equipment in the back. And it drives pretty pretty awesome as I'll get into some of the specs. And it's an all-wheel drive as well, right? So yes, yes, of course. Do, uh, almost all Subarus are. Yeah, so you can yeah. do anything uh, SUV. You could rally this thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we hear that this Lavorg will hit uh, Japan's, uh, the Japanese dealerships pretty much unchanged from the version we saw at the uh, Motor Show and uh, Tokyo Motor Show. That's when, you know, this car is one of the ones that was featured quite a bit. Uh, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, by guys, but what do you think about motor shows? You think on the yeah, other side of this corona thing, are motor shows pretty much done? I mean, everyone's doing their thing virtually now. I mean, yeah. we have so many motor shows. I, I don't know if they'll all go away, but I mean, are we gonna see a lot of the smaller ones just disappear? You know, you wonder. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because you know I how mean, much money, you know how much money these car companies pay to, you know, for each motor show? We're talking like millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very expensive. The made up. Yeah, they're yeah. really expensive. And now they're doing everything virtually. They might be thinking, hmm. Yeah, but, but like, you know, we're used to going to motor shows on press days, right? And yeah, I think there's a there's a big difference between press days and, and people days. Yeah, I mean. and the people days, you know, when they open it up to the public, I think it's a really good chance for folks to get really close. Maybe jump in the car. Jump yeah. in the car, take your time and look at the car, kind of learn more about the car. Steal a gear stick. Yeah, things you can't do at the dealership, you know. So yeah. I, I, I still I still want to, you know, think that there's, there's a uh, – uh, there's a use and there's a, you know, a function for motor shows. I mean, for journalists, that side, I'm not really sure because, you know, you can, you can get everything virtually, you can get all the data, you know, online and you can wait to drive the car, you know, as a member of the press. So I'm not really sure if, you know, the, the big fanfare and the, um, you know, the, the need for the press days is, is, mm -hmm. you know, 
is still necessary. Maybe the need, maybe press days ago, because you know, I've I've been living a privileged privileged life where I forgot about the you know the public days. <laughs> you you totally forgot about the public days. Right? Know. <laughs> you know the life of you know the, the privileged life and all, but. <laughs> So, so anyways, back to the car. I mean, look at it. Look at look at this. Look at this. Look at this thing. It's awesome looking. I think you know. I mean, it does not look like the soccer. You know, the soccer mom car. You know. So no, no, no. Yeah. I I can totally see you know an outdoorsy guy putting his mountain bike or a surfboard or whatever on top. Right. You know. You know, throwing a you know longboard in there or whatever and. You know, you can do it, this thing could do anything a, a you know an SUV could do. You know? Yeah, but you know, looking at the rear, you know, you put some nice wheels. I mean, you could kind of you know uh, modify it to look pretty good. But yeah. anyways, uh, the Lavorg, uh, just back to the car. The Lavorg utilized the Subaru Global Platform, which was introduced in 2017 on the Impreza, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the three main objectives for this new platform was to increase straight line stability, reduce wind noise or noise and vibration. And uh, boost ride comfort. So uh, the new Subarus in general are just they they just drive much better. There's none of that little vibrations and that kind of uh, stuff that we you know we've seen in like past WRX STIs, which we didn't really care because that's kind of what made the car and it was yeah. really fast. Mm -hmm. So uh, under the hood, uh, we hear we don't know yet. No one knows yet. Even though this car is coming out in September, all, none of this information has come out yet. Is uh, but we hear there's going to be a 1.8 liter flat four, uh, maybe a 1.6 liter version. You know, they're all FAA, they're Subaru's FA engines, and they're all mm -hmm. the horizontally opposed engines. And uh, the the uh, the one that I think will be the popular one is a turbocharged two liter engine that should make, you know, right around 268, 270 horsepower and about 260 pound feet of torque. Uh, they'll be coming out in three... Uh, at least three trim levels and the base one I think this is the base one you see here is the GT there's one called the GTH and then there's of course the top of the line STI which is the one I think we would all all, all opt for so oh, just have the, an STI version of this yes thing too? wow yeah so that's why this thing is you know I, I'm just going to bring it here I mean geez guys I mean it looks so much better than like a, a what is it the forest or, or you know yeah the forest is a bit it's not quite the most sportiest looking thing. No, I mean, this yeah. thing is awesome looking and it's totally Subaru. You know what I'm saying? It totally yeah. fits with their image. Uh, what the Lavorg will come equipped equip with in Japan, and hopefully we'll see it in some of the Subarus out here, is uh, their evolved version of their eyesight safety technology. And it uses a, you know, a dual set of color cameras, you know, one by the rear view mirror, the other somewhere, you know, somewhere else you know, to anticipate danger. So they function with the adaptive uh, advanced adaptive cruise control, lane keep assist, sway warning, pre-collision braking. So it has all that technology, to, you know, to keep you safe. So you could have your 16-year-old uh, son or daughter who just got their license to, you know, just drive as long as they, you know, you say, keep it slow. So, you know, and this new thing, this new um, eyesight says that there's this thing called, they have called the stereo camera. So it expands the wide angle with enhanced laser and all that. So it makes it almost, almost impossible to have a, you know, uh, have a collision. So <laughs> now the bad part of this is, uh, of course, we, we, we can't buy it here in the US. It's not gonna be marketed. 
but uh, the new Lavorg is going to be expected around $35,000 in our dollars. So for $35,000, I think this is a pretty dang uh, awesome car, especially, you know, if you um, consider it like a an estate version of the, um, of the WRX STI. So, uh, but I would love to get your, your guys's, oops, sorry guys, your guys's um, uh, uh, opinion on this car and whether you think you, you would like to see a car like this here. James, go ahead. Well, I always like uh, a station wang as they call them here, although- No, we don't call, don't, 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 don't use that word anymore. Well, I always, I, I think that if it's a station wagon, then that feels, it always reminds me of National Lampoon's Family Vacation, um, <laughs> the truck stuff. But the, uh, these Brits, that's what you think of American culture, don't you? Of course. Chevy Chase and his fam, dumb, dumb family in a station wagon. Yeah, but this as an estate oh, looks okay. great. And if they raced it, then they could call it a bread van, and it's even better. I mean, this, I'd love to see this rally. I mean, it'd be great. Two liter uh, WRX, but to have it as the, the racing as an estate, so it'd be called a bread van. It'd be perfect. I mean, with, uh, you know, let's say the STI version comes in at over 300 horsepower, 350 horsepower. Is this something you, you could see in your garage? Because I could totally see this thing in my garage. Definitely. I mean, I think it, it's really on point. I like the extra room in it because you can put the seat down, you can fit all the luggage in. It's very luxurious. I like it. I mean, I can't see any problems with this car whatsoever one bit. The only problem is it's not coming to the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it'll probably be marketed in the U.K. though, right? Cause... Yeah, I could see it being marketed in the U.K. and Australia. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, Taro, you? Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing I, I agree with with both of you guys. I mean, especially like the SDI version. The, like the the thing with like um, my Forerunner, I love my Forerunner, is mm -hmm. that it's sometimes it's just too high, you know, especially like for the kids, mm -hmm. some people to climb in, like reach reach things in the back because it's so high. It is high. Your car is high. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this will probably make it a lot more easier, you know, to get things um, in, in and, and out. out. Of yeah, yeah, like it's a lot faster too. Yeah, sit sit in the back to you know put on uh, your you know put on your uh, snowboard boots or whatever. It's a lot lower, so it's probably you know easy on the back too. Uh, the mm -hmm. only thing is that my wife hates station wagons. It's not a station wagon. <laughs> it's an so, estate for a shooting brake. My wife, my wife would not approve, but um, I, it's I, a shooting brake. Just it, tell her it's a shooting brake or an it, estate. It looks it looks good. And you know it's functional. I mean, like I said, I mean, I could, I could, I could see myself owning this thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, none of us are because it's not marketed here. But uh, all you, any of you guys who think Subaru should bring it here, you know, let Subaru know. Let someone know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, um, that's how you know we got a lot of like the GTR to get you know marketed here. There was just a, a big demand for it. You know. Yeah. My my sister actually was asking me about this car. She's looking to the Lavorg. Yeah, she's looking to uh, buy a new car, and um, she was like, "How about Subarus? Like and this Lavorg car?" So, and I told her, "Yeah, they're great cars." I mean, she's also looking at like the Forester as well. Uh, the Forester might be a little too big for her for what what she needs. But yeah, well, they're kind of too different. I mean, the Lavorg, yeah. you know, it's a little more performance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, so what's up next, Sam? Yeah. Okay. Are you in a hurry to go? Always, Sam. Okay. <laughs> I know you're on your vacation. So, yeah. okay. So uh, the <laughs> second car I'm going to, we hear uh, new information on is the Mazda MX-30. Um, you guys can see it, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Is this okay. uh, is this a spy shot or a, No, no, this isn't a spy shot. No. This is a press shot. It's a press shot? It looks like mm -hmm. a European press shot. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Mazda will be bringing the MX-30 SUV, which made its debut at the 2019 Tokyo Auto Show, um, for sure now. And uh, it's being touted as the company's first all-electric vehicle, right? So Mazda's never come up with an e all-EV yet. So this will be the first one. But we hear now that before they bring the EV out, there's going to be a hybrid uh, that they're going to offer first. So uh, the first one, I think they said the first uh, hybrid is going to be a mild hybrid that's going to be coming out in October in Japan. So probably right at, not too long after that, we will see uh, a hybrid version of the MX-30 here, followed by the all EV version. So judging by its size, uh, the MX-30 will be positioned between the, uh, right around where the CX-30 is. So, uh, and you guys know the CX-30, right? The CX-3, yeah. Yeah, CX CX-30. And we don't know uh, the exact power unit setup yet, but we hear that the gasoline engine part will be a two liter inline four. And we do know that it will not have the Skyactiv X, uh, the compression ignition system that's on uh, some of these other cars. That's Mazda's huge technology because that would uh, bump up the price of the car, you know, about five $5,000 at least. So. We hear it won't have the Skyactive X. And with Mazda wanting to keep the MX-30's price tag around 25K, I think that's what they're aiming for. Um, they don't want that, this thing to go into another segment. So, um, And right now, I think Mazda's going after the Toyota CHR and the Honda Bezel, um, which are both you know hybrid electric kind of cars. So. Um, so uh, what happens to the CX-30, then you ask, which is Mazda's small compact SUV in this segment? Um, and that would be a very good question. We don't know. I think, I, I would assume that the MX-30 will be marketed mainly as an EV here in the US, and then they'll continue to offer the, uh, to offer the CX-30 uh, or CX-3, CX-30 as the gasoline entry uh, vehicle, a uh, gasoline engine entry vehicle here. So, uh, but we'll see uh, because the vehicle should make its appearance here in the U.S. market around the end of this year. So in about probably three, four months uh, to uh, six months. So in early 2021. And um, let's see, let me, I think I have another uh, shot of this car. Hold on, I have to stop share this. Oh, uh, the rear of this car is awesome. But we don't know if this will, it'll have these doors. It probably, oh, there it goes. It probably will not, because this is probably a shot of the- It's got uh, RX-8 doors. That's right, RX-8 doors. It does, That's suicide I think doors. they're a little bigger. So, and the RX-8, I love the styling of it. You know, they really trying to force four doors onto a sports car on that, but, you know, I mean- I wonder why they did that. What was the- Well, all show car, right? Is it just- I think so. I don't think that, that, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I could certainly see it having doors like this. I mean, it is a massive I would love style. to have it with doors like this because really? you know, the door is smaller, right? So you don't need as much space to. Um, they're, um, they're, they're not, these things, suicide doors are so overrated, um, especially in Los Angeles. What do you mean they're, overrated? People think they're cool, but they're not. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's why there isn't so many of them out there. Now. Yeah, there's a reason why they stopped making suicide door right. cars in 1930. 
You tell number one, they're dangerous. Number one, they're dangerous. Yeah, first of all, they're dangerous. And second of all, when you're trying to park these cars in a city like Los Angeles, where, you know, the, the car next to you is like literally, you know, less than a foot away. Right. You can't get in in and out of these things. You can't put anything in the back seat because you have to open one door, open the right. other door. You have to f- open the front door to open the back door. Back door. And then if you if you have anything you want to put in, it it's just so, yeah, I, I'm totally against this. I hope they don't. But, you, you know, if you consider it's a two-door, if you consider it a two-door with that little extra convenience of opening it up, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's not really convenient. Yeah, like, okay, if, if, you have a person, you have a third passenger and they want to get in the car. They, they can't get in the car. Because well, you, you, know, you can open up. I mean, by themselves. Well, you mean? By themselves. They can't. They, well, what has, has to happen is you got to go in. Okay. Okay. Open the door. Okay, so but Carl, how many times <laughs> do you have a person wanting to just by themselves? Well, that's what you were saying. It's like if you have another person, it's like it doesn't work. It just doesn't Taro, work. you could just tell that to every Rolls Royce driver. That's all I'll say. Look, I mean, if I've got my Rolls Royce, I want my suicide doors. I'm going to get my umbrella that comes straight off me. That's exactly. the way it works. Yeah. Well, well, for for, for Rolls, Rolls Royce, you have a chauffeur, right? And you the, have a driver. The, the, the driver's waiting. Who, who actually sounds like James, you know? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like you. <laughs> Look, I've done fourteen. I've done hundred, like sixteen hundred miles. I'm quite happy to be a driver. It doesn't yeah. bother me. He's, he's, as long as you speak with that British more. accent, I think yeah. you'll be good. You've driven anyways, more more than I've driven in the past six months. Okay, so Taro, it looks like you're, especially if it has these doors. You're. Who cares about the MX30 kind of a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't let's like. Say the all, let's say. Wait, but hold on. Let's say it's an all EV. I, I don't like the look of the front too. You, I remember talking oh, a couple couple. Uh, episodes before how Mazda's really up their uh, design uh, for the recent uh, cars that they've had. Yeah. The, front, the front, I think, is not my cup of tea. I just don't think it's a good-looking really? car. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. There it is. It it's, does look a little different. It's weird. Yeah, I, I just think it's not very well balanced. The back, of, back and the front doesn't look Okay. I think they, Whereas, they I think they the went opposite. for that. Look. I like it. Yeah, I think they went for that look because it's an electric car. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of. I like it. Look. I like the look. Yeah. Yeah, I'm opposite Tara. I give this one thumbs up. Whereas okay. Tara gives a thumbs, thumbs up down. with a with a EV. Yeah, with, because your... you're. I I like my EV, so yeah, I'm definitely into it. Yeah, I think at some point we're all going to have an EV in the garage. You know, I think we'll have all all of us will have at least one. I'm. I mean, even my next car. <laughs> I mean, my next car, I'm guessing, is but from you know my wife's next car, I'm thinking an EV because she doesn't really drive that far, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so an EV. I mean, you know, she, she probably says, "No, I don't want to drive Mazda." But I'll buy know. a good-looking EV. Ooh. 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 <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So Taro's boo uh, uh, is a down. James is James up. Is up. Uh, Sam's up. An EV, yeah, I mean, if some for, you know, like, let's say you're a kid who's turning 17, 16, 17, 18, you know, and it would be a nice car, right, to buy them. Uh, 16, 17-year-old kid's not going to get a brand new car. Not in, not in Vitaro, anyway. Not, not, not in Taro's house. Matani, they always get brand <laughs> new cars. Yeah, in the Matani household, they get always uh, Everybody gets a new car. Everybody gets a new car. So, anyways... Okay, so anyways, that's my report for today. No, not much. 
Uh, the next couple of weeks, I think uh, I'll be uh, looking at more um, European cars too, but uh, Japanese cars. But yeah, right now the scoop stuff is a little, a little uh, on the slow side, just because everything's kind of at a standstill. Well, looking forward to it, Sam. Looking forward to it. But what I want to hear from more is these these videos from GT Channel. Okay. Well, we've got some exciting cars. So <laughs> you've got a lot of red cars. Yeah. Well. So okay. So these are the, these these are the micro moments. Mm -hmm. um, so these are micro moments, which were uh, chopped up. Um, so look, look at these. We got these little trackers that we're working on. So this is kind of a work in progress. But basically, we covered the uh, um, the shop of uh, Yasuyuki Kazama. We did. This mm -hmm. is a second video that we've done. With which him. I have yet to watch Tara because I want to see on vacation, but I'm very much excited to watch it. Yeah, no, you should. It's a it's a um, eight minute or eight nine minute video. Um, we had really good response from the first video, so we, we oh, really? decided to do a second one. Um, and this is basically just him walking around the shop and explaining to us all of his uh, uh, his basically his his S thirteen fourteen and fifteen collection. Um, he, he loves red cars. He loves red cars. I really thought he like green cars actually because all of his cars were green in the past his competition cars were green but i think personally he, he likes red cars um but yeah up here um this is a micro moment that just uh, focuses on his s13 convertible mm -hmm. he used to ride this car like a uh, like a um you know like a bucking horse you know like a like a rodeo so that's mm -hmm. why he got the name uh, rodex style because he used to climb up on the on the door and would drive the car with one foot and do these donuts. So um, the next car he does is his S15. And, you know, he just goes around and, and shows us his, his cars. And it's a really, uh, really good, good piece. Um, so I would recommend all of you guys checking it out. It's um, definitely it's, it's a good, it's a good video. Um, that was that just went live on YouTube last week. Um, this week and last week we released this video um i don't know did we talk about this video um, I don't it's, think so. it's i um, think you talked about it was coming up tara yeah okay oh. so yeah. paul walker uh bought a r34 gtr uh in the early 2000s from uh motor x oh sam you were here yeah at i was at that photo shoot. Yeah, yeah yeah you were you were here um that's the last time i saw you um, so Paul was introduced Carl. to what? We just saw each other surfing. Oh, we did. I, <laughs> that is true on Sunday. You're an old man. I, 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 I never get an invite to any of these things. I mean, well, I don't know what road, I am. I'm man. just cup liver, I guess, from the side. Hey, you well, were on the road. You and plus, at, you, you had a bad back. You couldn't do it with anything. Yeah, you were at Telluride or whatever on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, and you had a bad back for a long time as i see these complaint lists is coming up and coming up but i still has no invites for me <laughs> okay so anyways um so paul got introduced to gtrs um by sean morris of motorex so we inter introduced sean mm -hmm. and uh he fell in a noted guest obviously of the pod speed exactly uh, yes That's right. go, go check out that episode too you should everyone should um and he you know he uh really fell in love with a car and he bought, he went to Motor X uh, and actually bought a car. And this is the exact same car that he bought. He, he bought a G, R34 GTR. 
Um, he had it for about a year or so, but then MotorX got a V-spec. So he traded this one in and he got the V-spec and the, the V-spec was the, uh, the R34 that he ended up holding on to. But this car um, got sold to a couple of owners, went to Hawaii, went to uh, Texas. What, what, did, what did the owner in Hawaii do for a pastime or what was their work, Tara? Can you elaborate a little bit more on what they did in that worker? <laughs> I think he was uh, uh, involved in some uh, uh, illegal activities. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he was, uh, um, you know, he was a dealer of sorts, I, I hear. Okay, yeah, yeah. I understand, yeah. So I he understand. Was, you, know, uh, you know, living the... Uh, Rockstar, rockstar lifestyle mm -hmm. and the car got seized by the dea and so it got put on the auction someone bought it uh, you know ended up in texas and uh, it was in texas for probably over a decade and um, the owner decided to sell it so um, sean and the guys at top rank uh, bought the car back and um and they're going to kind of use it as a, uh, uh, you know, a show car, a demo car for, for a while. And they'll probably end up, you know, selling it again uh, at, at some point. But they've kind of kept the, uh, uh, the body work and the, all the aftermarket parts that are on this car uh, as is, period correct. So it's got mm -hmm. like the Sea West kit and, um, you know, the early 2000s, you know, dry carbon uh, hood and, um everything like that, uh, just, just keeping it as it was, not doing any type of like uh, modifications to it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a, a feature of the car, but I, I think it's a really interesting piece, piece that a lot of our viewers would, would enjoy watching. So uh, you guys can check it out at ggchannel.com. Looking forward to it. Did you like this car, Sam? Was it a little bit too gaudy for you when you saw it, or did? Oh you no, like I like I like all R34s, and this one, yeah, no, you know. But what I really liked about it was the history, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's cool because I, I mean, to me, you know, yeah, you know, uh, I think this car looks best in that that blue, you know, that mm. blue. So but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it looked great. I like the HKS. Uh, what is that intercooler? Mm -hmm. Radiator. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, and uh, it's got a Tomei turbo and everything. It's it's pretty, you know. It's not heavily modified, um, but it's, it's got some aftermarket, cool aftermarket parts. Um, so it's a cool car to take a look at. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, is that, uh, is that pretty I much it? That, that, I think that wraps it up, right? Okay. Well, anyways, thank you guys. I'm, uh, Roger's not here, but we thank him for uh, joining us. It was an awesome chat. So anyways, uh, Taro, uh, gtchannel.com. Buy the t-shirts. Buy the t-shirts. Buy the t-shirts. All that great yeah. stuff you just said. It's all there and New more. design. <laughs> and more. And then you can find us uh, on Podspeed over there too, on, at GT Channel and on YouTube. Uh, James? Obviously, follow No Breaking. You can still follow us at, on Instagram, at No Breaking, Facebook, at No Breaking, or find us more at NoBreaking.com. I'll be wrapping up the end of this trip, the end of this week, and so you can follow me along with that. You can even find out some of the stories on the uh, GT Channel's Instagram page there. You can find out what's happening with the trip as well. If someone's how, how about how about some of the stuff while you're really there? I, I mean, everyone thinks is you're on some kind of secret mission. This whole vacationing, driving across the country to see the land is just a bunch of bull. It's, it's to throw <laughs> us off. Well, maybe <laughs> it is them. 
Maybe it is. Maybe it is that. But who knows? You'll have to wait till next time to find out more. You're gonna okay. You're not gonna crash Trump's one of Trump's rallies or anything like that. <laughs> Hope, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Right. <laughs> but if you do, um, I'll be I'll be looking for it. So okay. Uh, and as for us, me, uh, yeah, next time, our next episode is in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we have a very special guest. We have uh, Mr. Rutledge Wood on the show next week. Looking forward to it in two weeks. So, awesome. so anyways. Sure we will see everyone uh, in two weeks. Uh, thank you for joining us this uh, time around. And wow, it'll be September the next. So yeah. the, the, this year is going by. Uh, 2020 cannot be over fast enough. So let's just hope it goes by. Let's get through it, guys. Yeah, let's get through it. We can but do anyways, it. We can do it. Odd speed to everyone. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.